But you made it. You made it to church. You're holier than the other people. Just kidding. So we've been in a teaching series. If you're new to City Church, my name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here. God bless you. Welcome all of our locations. We, uh, if you're new, and that's a weird thing for me to say, we have churches in Hartford and Middletown and Bridgeport that are meeting together, that are walking with us, one church in four different cities by God's grace. And we've been in a teaching series called Golden. And I shared the beginning of this series how over the last 20 years, I've been taking notes on seven core disciplines, seven habits that launch a Christian into the Olympian spirit that God intended for our faith. In other words, we're not supposed to live lives of defeat and condemnation and shame and a cycle of sin. We're supposed to live lives of victory and freedom and joy and life. And so over the last uh, number of weeks, we've been looking at habits, core habits, and they're challenging. It's not like you can hear one week sermon and get it, you know. This is a life of practice and discipline. The first habit we looked at is the habit of devoting the first hour of our morning to seeking God. And I know for some of us, that's an outrageous habit. It doesn't make much sense with our schedule. And we challenge you to consider a radical reorganization in 2017 of your schedule and of your priorities so that you can begin to seek God like never before. An hour seeking God. That was the first habit. And then we've covered a lot of ground, right? Sharing our faith weekly, following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, learning to hear his promptings and follow them. And then we got into some tough stuff these last few weeks where we talked about sexual boundaries and we talked about money. Everybody loves the money series, but you came back. Glory to God. And so that's exciting. And so now we're in habit six. Habit six, a crucial life habit we're going to be unpacking today in Matthew chapter 11. And if you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably heard this passage of scripture before. I'm believing God wants to breathe some new life into it for you today. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you, what's the next word? Yeah, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you want to jot some notes down, the title of the sermon is going to be The Rest of My Life. The Rest, The Rest of My Life. My oldest son last year got involved with Cub Scouts, and uh, I was not a Boy Scout or a Cub Scout. Um, growing up. Do we have any Boy Scout, Cub Scouts, Girl Scouts, anybody in the house? Okay, a few of you. Oh, great, awesome. Well, um, you know, it wasn't my experience, so it's all new for me. You know, I'm learning the whole process, all the different things you do. We did the Pinewood Derby last year, which was a big deal. That's when you build a car out of a block of wood and then race them against all the other kids, and we smoked everybody. Well, we came in second, and so that was pretty good, I thought, because uh, of all the losers, we were first. And, um, and we had a big trophy that we got. I say we because I think I was more excited than my son was, but but uh, I'm not much of a, of a construction guy, and so I had to call in some friends, some favors. Our, our Hartford pastor helped me a lot. He's really good with stuff like that. My dad helped me, but anyways, we won second place, and I was pretty stoked about that. But we do all types of things with Cub Scouts. I'm learning the routine. We do camping trips. Those are a lot of fun. And, and uh, just a few weeks ago, we went to a firehouse and met all the firemen and learned about what their life is like. But just last week, or two weeks ago now, I think, we went to the town hall of a nearby town, and we met with the mayor for over an hour, okay? So just imagine these 29 and 10-year-old kids, these Cub Scouts, meeting with the mayor. And it was great. I mean, he made time for us. He cleared his schedule. He answered questions from 10-year-olds for over an hour. And it was, it was a blast, all the different questions they have. And I actually learned a lot. I mean, I didn't know much about the process, but I learned about the meetings he has and the boards he sits on and the committees he's responsible for and all these different things 
about the structure and organization of the town. And it was, it was cool. It was a good learning experience. But at the end of the, uh, of the night, they were still asking questions. And one of the kids raised his hand and said, Mr. Mayor, how many hours do you work? And the mayor leaned in and looked right at him and said, son, this job is seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And as soon as he said it, everybody was like, whoa. Like, you're awesome. Like, like, there was something in that moment that I could see the kids, that they were like, wow, you're really committed. Like, wow, you're really responsible. But there was something else going on in their minds. Wow, you're really important. You're really important. You're needed all the time. That makes you important. Now, in the United States of America, we have many values that are unique to our culture. One would be the value of our liberty, right? We have a high value of liberty or independence, but a value that's been creeping up the list over the last 50 years, a value that defines you probably far more than you realize it defines you, is the high value that Americans put on busyness. Busyness. In other words, busyness equals importance in our world. And in the days past, if you wanted to prove that you were important, you would, use, you would show yourself in pictures or in a video or film, you would show yourself or brag about doing nothing. You would prove that you sit by the pool all day. You would show that you hang out and relax. But today, if you're a celebrity or if you're somebody that wants to feel like you're important, you don't talk about how lazy or how much you hang out. Instead, celebrities today and important people don't brag about how much time they rest. They brag about how much time they work. And so they say, oh, I've got a jet, I've got to fly here, and I've got to go there, and then I've got to fit this in, I've got to do that. And it bleeds into our entire society where people feel that they are more important when they are busy. Just think about the last time someone asked you, how you doing? How you doing? And you felt the temptation to just go, me? Oh, I'm slammed. And kind of half complaining and, and half bragging, like, it's been busy, man. Busy, busy. And they're like, really? Yeah, real busy. Wow, you must be important like the mayor. Probably even more busy than the mayor, man. Busy, right? There's this thing in our, in our culture that just loves to express how busy. Oh, I'm at school. I'm so busy. Oh, I'm, I'm at work now. It's just busy, busy, busy. Oh, I got kids, like a hundred of them, and they're all busy. Like, it's amazing. And we don't just do one thing, right? We pride ourselves on our capacity to do multiple things. And so you drive and you text, right? Your wife knows it's true, right? And then you do these two things at the same time, or, you know, all the different multitasking, you check your email and have a conversation with your spouse at the same time, right? 38 millions of Americans admitted to buying products on their smartphone while on the toilet, right? So, the, and I know there's some of you in the room, you don't have to, you know, have a confession right now, but, uh, but, but there's so many of us that are always bu- pushing, always busy, always running. And the problem with that life is, and psychologists and sociologists will tell you this, but you don't need a psychologist to tell you this. You know it's true yourself. The problem with the speed of life that especially New Englanders run at, the problem with that speed of life is when you move at warp speed, it warps your soul, right? It warps you on the inside. In fact, they found that half of Americans, half of Americans today report lying awake at night because of stress. Half of Americans, 77, I'm talking to you in the room, 77% of people have some type of physical ailment going on in their bodies right now 
because of stress. 73% of people in America have psychological struggles, psychological problems because of stress. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, now I know he's talking to you. I know he's talking to you with the psychological thing. And so we all, right, we all find ways to cope, right? We all try to find ways to cope with the stress of life. Listen, I've got bills to pay. I've got places to go. I've got things to do. I've got to get moving. And so what we try to do is cope with it because your, your soul starts to warp. And so you take a day off. How many of you have ever taken a day off and at the end of the day felt more tired than when you took the day off? Has that ever happened to you before? That has happened to me where it's like I wanted to rest and I feel less rested. So you take a vacation. And then you go on that tropical vacation, you get stung by that animal, you end up getting all bloated, or, you know, like, you get stung by the insect, and now it's like, you know, the whole time you're uncomfortable, and you're itchy, and you can't eat, and then you get diarrhea because you ate the food, and you come home, and you're not even more rested, you're more exhausted. Or maybe that was just my experience. But, but the problem, so often, is we don't know how to rest. It seems more complicated than we have time to figure out. And so rather than creating good habits, we create escapes, right? Create escapes, like your two best friends, right? Ben and Jerry right? For some of us, our escapes are food or ice cream or something else, you know, all the different escapes we create. Or maybe they're a little bit, uh, a little bit more dangerous. Maybe it's taking a pill or taking a drink or taking both at the same time. Or for some of us, maybe it seems more harmless, like I just want to watch TV and unwind. But after you've watched the TV, you have it unwound, and, and, and it doesn't seem to be fixing the problem because there's a deeper issue. There is a restlessness that goes beyond just natural things. And so you take a nap, you take a day off, you take a pill, and you're still not rested. You have this thing in you. I'm just talking to you right now that has to please everybody. So you work harder for your boss than you should, and you go above and beyond. And every time your grandma wants to have dinner, you have dinner. And you're running around trying to make everybody else happy because there's some insecurity in you that says, if I don't, then I'm not valuable, right? Or you're one of those people that you say, you know, I've got to prove myself. I've got to prove myself at my job. I've got to prove myself in school. I've got to prove myself with my family. I'm going to prove to my dad that I'm not what he said I'd be. I'm going to prove to my uncle. I'm going to prove to my boss. Always trying to prove yourself like you've always got something to prove. For some of us, you're driven by this idea that you're keeping the world on its axis, right? And so it's like, well, Justin, I can't miss any work because if I do, the entire operation will fall apart and the world will literally stop spinning at the moment I don't show up. It's like, really? You really think that? Some of us do. There's a restlessness that defines us. I know I've been through this. Listen, I grew up in New England. I know I've been through this. We started the church five and a half years ago by God's grace. Some of the people that are new... You don't know the whole story, but I started this church, nine people with a big dream to see all of the Northeast change from the least church region in the United States to the most spiritually vibrant place on earth. Whether you realize it or not, New England has fewer people attending church every week than any other place in America. And it's our dream here at City Church to plant churches all across the cities of New England to reach the entire population by God's grace and for his glory in our day. Amen? But that can be a little stressful. You know, I mean, it can. And when our church went from nine people to 90 people and nine people to 90 people to 200 and 300 and 405, and as God continued to bless it, the pressure and the stress continued to build. And I honestly did not have good habits. And so what I would do is the workload would increase and I would find ways to cheat myself. I'm a very noble martyr. What I would do is not take time from my wife because I didn't want to compromise our relationship and not take time from my kids because I wanted to make every game and every event that they had. So I would just take time from myself. I'd calculate how many hours less I could sleep to fit it all in. And I would try to make it all work. 
And I'm just being honest, this is what I would do. And so I would work more and more, and I was 70 hours and 80 hours, and always try to plan enough time for everybody else but me. I had no hobby. I had no leisure time. It was all about business, right? It was about getting things done. And I was doing it for God, right? I was doing it for God's glory and God's grace and God's power until one night, it's about just over two years ago now, one night I lay down tired, and I can't fall asleep. I just can't fall asleep. I mean, I'm laying there. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't fall asleep. Now it's 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. I can't fall asleep. I probably dozed off for just a couple of minutes. My alarm goes off, and I thought, wow, that was weird. Why couldn't I fall asleep? I've always been a good sleeper, and now I can't seem to fall asleep. It happened the next night. It happened the night after, night, uh, night after that. This went on for a month. For a month, I don't think I slept more than 3 or 4 hours in one night. And that wipes you out. I remember on my way to work one day, in the middle of this time of my life, two years ago now, a year and a half, or just over two years actually, if I look at the time, I get to work and I'm drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I mean, you know I've backslidden, right? I'm, dr- I'm just kidding, just kidding. If you like, hey, if you like it, if you like it, you buy it, whatever you want to do. I, I'm drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee, only, I don't even drink coffee that much, but I'm drinking it just to keep myself awake, trying to, you know? And I got this huge, huge Dunkin' Donuts, you know, super sugar shocker coffee, and I'm trying to make it work because I'm exhausted and I'm tired and I'm busy, but I'm important busy because everything's busy because I'm important, you know, and I got to do it. It's all for God, too, so it makes it even holy busy, you know, and, and, and I, I get to work. I'm not kidding. I get to work, and the room is spinning, and finally something just started to crack inside me. I just started to cry, and I, you know, taking a day off wasn't going to fix it, you know what I mean? There was something bigger going on here. Thank God for good friends. You need some good friends. That's why we have community groups. Build some good friends. Thank God for good friends. I called someone much smarter than me. One of our elders, his name is Raj. I called him. I said, Raj, I got a problem. And just weeping on the phone, I said, you know, I need help. I mean, I'm not embezzling money. I'm not cheating on my wife, but I'm drinking Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> and, and, and I just, I just need help. Like, I, I, something's, I, I'm, 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 and I remember it was in that moment that, um, that Rod started talking to me about rhythms. He started talking to me about patterns. And, and we spent some time on the phone. I'll never forget standing in a parking lot. I was outside when I called him. He's crying like a baby. And it was then that Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, started to live in me. 